Hello, and welcome to another episode of Carving the Divine TV. Carving the Divine is about the Buddhist statues and the people who make those statues. It's 1,400 years of Japanese tradition, and I'm ready to present it for the first time in the world. But before I do so, I thought it would be a really great idea to uh, inform you guys a little bit about the Buddhism and the history of the Buddhism so that when you guys finally watch my documentary, uh, you guys can enjoy it at the maximum value. So without further ado, I have our scholar here, Michael Jordan Van Hutzenbelt. Welcome, Michael, again. Thank you very much for having me back. I'm glad to be doing more episodes with you. Awesome, awesome. We've been doing it for a while, and uh, I think we are getting the hang of it, right? Yeah, I think we're on episode 13 now, and I really do think that we're really starting to get into the groove of things. We've got, you know, we've got a good banter going back and forth. We've got a good understanding of a basic amount of information that people should know. Yeah, I, I would say that we're doing quite well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, you always give us a, a very insightful information, and uh, I think we are ready, almost ready for Japan. And uh, when it goes to Japan, when we go to Japan, so we'll definitely enjoy more about the series because you're going to be talking about the statues, right? Oh, yeah, I cannot wait to start talking about sculptures. It's going to be... This, the, when we start talking about sculptures, that's when I can really let all the information go and uh, try to make things as interesting as possible as well. Great, great. So, but before we get there, we have a few more assignments. So, okay. this is going to be another big idea. And okay, so we've got, we've, we've got more. We've got more to do, Yuji. I, I don't know if I can handle any more from you. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, uh, you've been, like I said, uh, for a while, and uh, I really <laughs> enjoy every time when you say it. But, well, anyway, so today I have a question here. And I'll let, uh, ask you this. So I hear about the mandala a lot, Buddhist mandala. What is, what is it exactly? So I have no idea what, that, what this exactly is at all. So is this kind of a map or something? Or, you know, what is it? But, you know, if we don't know that, we cannot move forward. So let's tackle this today. Okay, so what you were asking um, is about the mandala. It's a very, very difficult topic to talk about and to put simply. So I'm going to do my best. And again, I want to just do a full disclaimer. Everything that I'm saying is going to be very basic information. If you want to learn more about mandalas, if you want to learn more about Buddhist iconography, I would suggest that you look up a book called... Um, there's a, there's a book by Elizabeth Ten Krutenheis that's all about the esoteric uh, mandalas that you would find in Buddhism. And so I'd recommend finding that. Um, so you asked what mandalas are. So mandalas um, with the pronunciation in Japanese is mandara. And then it comes from the Sanskrit mandala, which means circle or altar. Um, and they call it a circle or altar because it's a place of worship. And when I say a place of worship, I don't need to mean a building that you go into physically. I mean more of a area that you enter within your mind. Basically, you are taking your mind and you are following the walls of this geometric format that you find in sand or on a piece of paper or on a piece of canvas or on a piece of silk 
um, whatever these geometric shapes and geometric walls are being created on, that is what you are going to be focusing your mind on. So the history of mandalas, it came up around the early and middle periods of tantric history. So for Vajrayana Buddhism, which we talked about, I think a couple episodes ago. I think last um, time. Last yeah. time, yeah. So the usual method of arranging deities was based on three different families. So three different groupings. The first grouping is the Buddha family. Um, the second grouping is the Lotus family. And the third grouping is the Vajra, the diamond family. And the deities that belong to the Lotus and Vajra families were placed symmetrically beside the Buddha family that would be in the center. Now, after, later on in the esoteric tradition, um, you had something come out called the Diamond World and the Womb World mandalas. And these are a little bit more complicated. These are formats that include five different families, um, including the three that I listed before. They've also added the Gem and the Action families. So there's a lot of Bodhisattvas, a lot of... Um, celestial beings, all the, and um, wisdom kings that are all involved with these families as well, including the Buddhas themselves. So they're all being placed at different cardinal points around on these mandalas. So there are three different types of mandala themselves. There is a comprehensive, the one where you find all of the groupings together. There, is, there are mandalas where there's a single family, so just one of them depicted. And then there's a single, de single deity mandala where you might, find the, you might find the paradise or you might find the uh, architectural structures that belong and are affiliated to that deity specifically. So the first mandalas were brought into Japan by Saicho. Uh, one of them was comprehensive and the other one was a single deity. The following year, Kukai brought the two worlds mandalas, or you would call it the ryokai mandalas. Um, and the first one is the diamond world, the second one is the womb world. So the diamond world, it shows a crystallized map of the cosmos, where there's everything that is permanent and intransient. The taizokai is more of a fluid map of the emanations and manifestations of the cosmological Buddha, Dainichi Nyorai. Um, who they call in Sanskrit Mahavairochana. So these two womb world, the womb world and the diamond world mandalas are used during an initiation rite called the Abhisheka in Sanskrit and in Japanese is known as the Kanjo ritual. And this is a initiation rite where one of these two mandalas is laid out on the ground and then the initiate is blindfolded and given a flower, which is usually a lotus. And then the flower is thrown, and whichever deity the flower lands on becomes the initiate's tutelary deity, which means whenever the, whoever this, well, whenever this initiate goes into meditation, they channel this deity through themselves. So I think that is a very basic and, you know, basic understanding of what the mandalas are. But if there are any further questions, if somebody asks below, I am more than happy to answer questions. So, uh, Michael, I want you to summarize this in one sentence because there was a lot of information. But in essence, 
What is mandala? So I would say, in essence, in a single sentence, a mandala is a diagram that shows Buddhist deities and how they relate to each other and the world around them. Okay, okay, that's beautiful. And uh, uh, people do all sort of rituals to uh, connect with the mandala and the uh, universe and the cosmos and the stuff like that. Right. Exactly, especially in the Shingon and Tendai, the esoteric uh, traditions of Buddhism in Japan, uh, the initiates, the med- those who meditate, the monks, the Buddhist practitioners would concentrate on these mandalas to help them focus more deeply on their meditation rites. Okay, beautiful. So I think uh, uh, we want to see an example of a mandala. So I think I'm going to put the link below so that people can uh, see more about the mandra. Do you think that's a good idea, Michael? I think that's a really good idea. I mean, there's so much to see and they are such interesting things to look at. Um, I would recommend putting at least two or three different variants down below. Beautiful, great, great. So uh, I know, Michael, you have some news that you, uh, you want to tell us, right? I think. I, I do, and uh, you know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was accepted into my PhD program at the University of Kansas, uh, which means in September 2019, I will be commencing uh, as a art history major, um, and I'll be doing, my, be doing a second master's degree and a PhD degree in Japanese art history. Oh, wow. Second, huh? Are you going to like... a? Keep going forever, Michael? <laughs> I, I, I think so. Um, if it were up to me, I would just keep on doing PhDs for the rest of my life. Great, great. So I think uh, uh, we can expect more activities uh, going on, uh, Michael. And I think uh, it's a very exciting time uh, because, you know, you can tell us more about uh, this subject and uh, you are absolutely qualified for it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Great. So if you guys think this information is useful, make sure to sub- subscribe uh, uh, my YouTube channel, Carving the Divine uh, YouTube channel, and uh, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and like me on Facebook, because that's how we do it in the 21st century. Yes, it is. That's right. Cannot get any better than this. So I'll see you next week, Michael. See you next week. Take care. Bye.